Alrighty, so we're going to move on to our second segment. On Friday night, the Board of Elections released more results in city council races, all, in all 51 city council races, where they did preliminary tabulations of ranked choice voting. And among other things, for the first time, New York City Council will be majority female. Also, uh, we had two Democratic Socialists uh, win in Astoria and Sunset Park, T- Tiffany Caban and Alexa Aviles. Another self-identified socialist uh, jumped into the lead in Harlem in District 9, and that's our next guest, uh, Kristen Richardson-Jordan. Uh, Kristen, thank you for joining us on WBAI 99.5 FM. Hi. Uh, thank you for having me on. Glad to be here. Sure thing. Uh, so uh, for for starters, uh, how does it feel to be leading in this race you're you're one of 15 candidates and you're now in in first place and also why do you think uh, harlem voters have embraced your candidacy yeah it's it's all very exciting over here because uh a lot of a lot of those who were more well connected and or part of the status quo and and sort of political elites in Harlem really dismissed our campaign as an impossibility. So it is a close election. We, you know, we don't want to count the chickens before they hatch, but, but, um, but it's super exciting and definitely a victory all around whatever happens, definitely a victory to be 275 votes up and to be leading in a race where, where, uh, People, like I said, really dismissed uh, the possibility of this type of of candidacy. Uh, And I think the reason why Harlem has responded so well is because Harlem is ready. Uh, Harlem is looking for change. And um, uh, we we see all the effects of status quo in, in our neighborhood and in our district. You know, the, the over-policing that takes place in parts of New York City is, is uh, rampant in District 9. Um, the economic inequality is apparent in District 9. We have 22 NYCHA buildings in district. Uh, the, the need for a radical voice and uh, some really, truly radical uh, policy that flip this system on its head are uh, is just apparent. And I think the reason why Harlemites responded so well is because we really built a grassroots movement with Harlemites. And that's what I'm so proud of with this campaign. It wasn't it wasn't just me changes never one person. It was a really strong grassroots effort to talk to our neighbors, talk to our friends, talk to family, and uh, really mobilize for change in Harlem. And it's, you know, like I said, it's time. It's it's beyond time. And, and can you tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself? You've had an unconventional uh, background for uh, someone that's uh, on the verge of being elected to city council. Yeah, definitely. My background is as an organizer and activist. Um, I'm a teaching artist. I've, uh, I'm a published poet. And I, um, um, I identify as all those things. But first and foremost, and, and more than anything, I'm an organizer. And that um, that background of being uh, mostly typically the one outside the system raging at the system, um, it's, it's a definite shift. Um, and it does make it, make me a non-traditional candidate, but I think it also makes me very relatable to, you know, my fellow Harlemites because a lot of us have been kept out of 
places and positions of political power for a very long time. And, um, you know, just to be perfectly honest and, and not parse words, a lot of those who have been elected um, have placated powers that be and, um, and, and sort of we, we have a tradition where it's like you get elected and you and yours are on the come up and everyone else is right where they are. So my background as a, a organizer and really focusing on people power is, is very different. Um, and um, it's almost like the election was a protest. The election was a mass movement uh, b- because uh, we haven't seen... Uh, I've never seen a rep like me for my community. Um, There's plenty of that energy. There's plenty of that history. Harlem has a beautiful history of just Black liberation and and freedom movement. I mean, we have a history of of Black Panther offices here, which are, you know, Black Democrats socialists. We have, we have um, Ella Baker and all the work she did in, in Harlem. We have a lot of, of um, beautiful art, um, Black revolutionary art, right? You think of Harlem, you think of Harlem Renaissance, you could think of a lot of, of um, that Black arts movement, which was tied to Black freedom and Black liberation movement. Right, and the um, Schomburg so- Center. Yeah, absolutely. The Schomburg Center, um, it, it shows us that it embodies that. Um, so that is Harlem too. We just haven't seen it on an electoral, uh, we haven't seen it so much in an electoral space, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and what made you decide to uh, jump from fighting on the outside to uh, fighting on the inside? Well, a couple of things. Uh, the first is I have to say I was definitely inspired by the new Congress. Uh, so the elections of the squad with Ilhan Omar and AOC and Rashid Tlaib and Ayanna Presley, uh, just seeing these, these, uh, women of color just speaking truth to power, uh, running races and winning. It's, it's something that I just continuously go back to as, as, um, it opened up my political imagination. Uh, to the possibility of being exactly who I am and standing for exactly what I stand for and running for office. Um, And I hadn't really considered putting those pieces together before in that way. Um, So that was part of it. The other part of it is that in Harlem, we're we're in desperate need of service. Uh, We are really, really in need of service. And when I talk about disrupting the district with radical love, I know the word radical makes folks a little nervous. Uh, but makes the, some of us excited. <laughs> he said it makes some excited. Yeah. Uh, you know, but uh, radical means getting at the root of things, right? That's that's what it means. So it means getting at the root of systemic oppression and systemic problems and rooting it up and turning over white supremacy and, and turning over capitalism. And, you know, really, what do we do to create new systems? Um, because they're desperately needed. And the love piece is all about service. And um, my district is very in need of, of services, of um just basic equity. I mean, really basic equity. I mean, we, the environmental racism has affected Harlem. Uh, we actually, you know, see that we have higher asthma rates due to old housing stock and the lack of upkeep of, of NYCHA buildings and also non-NYCHA buildings. And then we actually receive um, 
just uh, we have less trash cans. We receive less trash pickups and all of that factors into sanitation. Uh, we look at education, the two-tier education system in New York. We see the effects of that on, in Harlem with the, the quality of our schools um, and the, the ability, or I should say inability, to really uh, hone in and hire teachers who are from and reflect our community as well. So there's, I mean, that's just a couple highlights. There's there's plenty, um, but our current city councilman, uh, who I ran against, um, right? I'm an I'm an insurgent candidate. This was an insurgent campaign. Uh, the incumbent voted for the De Blasio's plan for new jails and basically voted for an expansion of our prison industrial complex to a district that is already over policed. Mm. And, and uh, to what extent did the Legacy of the Black Panthers and the Young Lords inspire you. I understand that's part of uh, your political huge. vision. Oh, yes, hugely. Uh, absolutely, absolutely inspired by that. Um, actually, one of my very first endorsements uh, very early on in the campaign uh, was from a man named Tyreek Scarlett, who is a former Black Panther. Not that you ever stop being one. Um, and it's one of the... Um, it's one of the supporters I'm most honored to have because that is that I do see my part as uh, I do see me as being a part of a larger black freedom fighting movement, uh, black radical tradition that really um, that really centers uh, our people. And, and through that, the liberation of all people. Um, and that really gets at how do we fight white supremacy and capitalism um, at, at the same time, you know, and I, I, um, yeah, I'm just, I, I, I'm very much, I'm very much connected to that history and those movements. I, um, um, I love, you mentioned the Schomburg. I love the Schomburg. Um, my great aunt actually was an original tenant at Lenox Terrace and she, did a lot of work in Harlem and she even donated some of, um, some of her papers are at the Schomburg Center. And I did a double major when I went away to school in black studies and literary arts. Um, at Brown University, black studies is called Africana studies. Right. Uh, so really, um, yeah, I, I really, read a lot, seen a lot, and also grew up with a lot. And, you know, I just, um, I absolutely connected to those movements. Great. And uh, we just have a few more minutes here. So there's a few more questions I want to uh, try to get in. And one of them is, um, I mean, you talked about how traditionally uh, politicians get elected to a place like city council and they sort of become absorbed in it. Um, how do you plan to balance being a, an effective, essentially a sort of an agitator from the outside with being effective from the inside so that you can bring, you know, services and other things that your, your district needs, because once you're in an institution like the city council, I mean, you have to manage relationships with other members and the speaker and um, all those kind of things. And uh, um, how do you, how do you envision uh, striking that balance? Well, 
the first thing I'm going to say is I, I actually welcome the tension because I think that's, I think that's part of how we have growth. Um, and I actually, I don't, I don't want to ever uh, downplay the role of agitation because even as a city councilwoman, I want people to hold me accountable. I want people to, um, call my office and, and, you know, write my office and, and lobby and if needed protest, because, um, that's something that, that, that's just part of, of people power. And it's just part of what, what will actually move us towards the world we need to be at. Um, I think the way to make change is with movements. So that's very different from a traditional politician. I don't see my role as uh, I, I don't see my role as being like the one to um, bring the change for the whole community. I see my role as being a part of it, but it needs to be larger, much larger than me. So if we're going to fight for budget justice, that's not just me bringing a certain piece of legislation to the floor, although I, I'll definitely, I can definitely do that. Or if it's us um, looking at the city budget and needing to vote down a city budget that's going to add money to NYPD, I can, I can certainly lend my voice to that. And I will whip up the votes that I can among my colleagues. But we also need a larger movement going on on the outside where people are demonstrating and calling their city council members as well. And, um, and that's sort of what I see in general as the way to make change, like with movements, with organizing, uh, not me as a lone person uh, elected in the city council. Right. Um, you know, I, I, I think that's the old school way of making change, like the backdoor deals and the you got the hookup with who's who and, you know, uh, enough of that. That's not <laughs> even democratic. Right. And uh, we just have another uh, minute or so here. I um, want to ask you two more things. Um, you've been on a listening tour in your in your uh, neighborhood, I, I believe, over the last uh, week or so, uh, um, meeting in, in public at, at different uh, venues uh, in, in your district. Uh, can you summarize real quickly how that's been going and if that's something you intend to uh, continue to do if, if, um, if you are on city council next year? And then, and where, and where do things stand with the, the absentee votes? Like, is there anything more, more people should know about that? Um, how that process is unfolding? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the listening tour because this is, this was one of my brain babies. And it was really this idea that, you know, we, we were talking about, uh, um, me and my team were talking about the, the, a hypothetical next step, right? Assuming it works out and I am elected, uh, what would I want to do with my first 100 days? And it occurred to me that, you know, instead of doing the traditional thing of, well, here's just my plans, it it makes way more sense to do it organizer style and grassroots style, which is, is it's literally how, um, if we win, it's literally going to be how we won. Um and, and do a listening tour. So the feedback that people are giving right now is informing what we're putting together for the first 100 days and what I want to roll out in my first 100 days in office um, and beyond. But I'm, I'm concentrating specifically on that. It's a lot of feedback around housing, which we knew was a huge issue in Harlem because of the gentrification and because of 
of the lack of regulating um, some of the current developments. So um, that's definitely come up. Um, issues around uh, community board and community board membership um, have come up. Uh, senior care has been an ongoing um, issue. We, and we have activities. 20 seconds. Oh, okay. And I was going to say more activities for the kids. Um, in terms of absentees, we're just waiting to see what happens with, with those. Um, we are cautiously optimistic uh, that with ranked choice voting, uh, we will still be in the lead after the absentee count. Um, thank you. Okay. Thank you so much, Kristen Richardson-Jordan, candidate for city council seat in uh, District 9, leading in that race, uh, waiting for the final uh, absentee votes to come in. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. All right. Thank you.